Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Religion wants you to be comfortable in your condition. Religion wants you to continue to come to church in your bondage. That as long as you're coming to church in your bondage, paying your tithe, being faithful to attending, it's all right if your hand is still withered, if you can't stand up straight, or if you find yourself a paraplegic. Religion just wants us to keep going through the motions. But that's not what God wants us or intended for us. He, Jesus didn't come just to establish a religion. He came to establish a relationship with you. And we find that the kingdom of heaven shows up when freedom shows up. Say it again, Pastor. We find the kingdom shows up when freedom shows up. When we see people no longer bound by alcoholism, bound by drug addiction, bound by lust, bound by various things, we know that that marriage is our whole when the, the presence of God shows up and there's freedom. And freedom, the, the word of God says that that. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But there's also freedom in knowledge as well. The right to know that we have a right to be free. My people die for lack of knowledge. And many of us are in bondage to things that you have no business being in bondage to. Because you don't know that you have a right to be free. You've just been told, come to church, give, worship, And stay in your condition. That's not what Jesus had in mind for you. He didn't go through the cross, through the suffering, so that we could stay in our same situation. Everyone say freedom. Freedom. So I want to give you freedom this morning. I want to talk to you about freedom. Now I want you to stand to your feet as we kind of just kind of lay this foundation. Uh, Matthew chapter 8. How many of you know that Jesus has always invited people to follow him? That's an invitation. Listen, how many of you have ever heard someone say, I I remember when I chose to follow Jesus or I accepted Jesus? Have you heard that before? Listen, you didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose you. You didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. Jesus was never lost. You were the one that was lost. Yeah, well, I found God. God. You didn't find God. God's always been where he's been. You were the one that was lost. And so when no man comes unto the Father unless the Spirit draws him, you found God because God found you and drew you to himself. And he did that so that you could follow him. Everyone say follow. Follow. Not to come to church, to follow him. And we've confused being a Christian with following Christ. There are people that are doing some strange things under the name of Christianity that aren't really Christ-like. So instead of calling ourselves Christians, how about calling ourselves followers? Because you can't get confused with the term follower. If you say you're following Jesus, there's going to be some things different about your life. I can't be addicted following Jesus. I can't have a foul mouth following Jesus. Can't be a womanizer following... Oh, come on, somebody. 
I can't be bitter following Jesus. Now, if I'm a follower of Christ, some things are going to change. There's going to be some evidence of that. Matthew chapter 8, verse 18 says this, that when Jesus saw the curious crowd was growing by the minute, he told his disciples to get them out of there to the other side of the lake. We're going to use that as our launching pad this morning. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I shared with you last week that as Jesus began to heal, the crowds began to get bigger and people began to come around. But I would submit to you this is that Jesus was never concerned with crowds. He wasn't impressed by the crowd. He wasn't concerned about the crowds. Now, he loved crowds because inside the crowd are individuals. And Jesus loves people. But he was never moved by the crowds because Jesus didn't count crowds. He counted commitment. You could be part of the crowd but not be a follower of Jesus. And he wasn't concerned about the crowd. He was about those that were literally committed to following him. And so I want you to understand that grace is free. We can all receive Christ for nothing. There's nothing you can do to merit salvation But it will cost you everything to be a follower of Jesus. But just by those amens, tell me that you've been taught wrong. Because you don't believe so. You think grace is a reset button in your life. That every time I sin, I just hit the grace button and I can start all over. That you're not a follower of Christ. You're a bleeder of grace. You're not a follower of Christ. All you're doing is is looking to reset. You keep starting over again instead of following after God to where God can do something great with your life. You are not created to exist or just get to heaven. You are created to be a solution in someone else's life. We struggle with that because we think my relationship with God is between me and God. No, it's not. Because when you don't accomplish the things that God created you for, there are people that are going to end up going to hell because you didn't accomplish what God intended you to do. We have a mandate, a responsibility to live at a certain level and to do, to do what God called us to do to ensure that the lives that need to be changed or touched are touched because we walked out the purpose that's on our lives. Some of you are struggling with that because you think right now that your relationship with God is between you and God. No, it's not. It's bigger than that. I'm going to take you somewhere this morning, okay? So Jesus, after this, he says, get me out of here. I don't want to be around the crowd. So he goes to the other side. Now, on the way to the other side, he falls asleep in the boat. And I need you to understand that, that rest is a weapon. Rest is vital. Some of you think that the busier you are, the more important you look. You need to learn how to take rest, not during church. What Jesus wanted us to do was count the cost before we followed him. And when he gets in the boat and he rests, recognize this. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt after 400 years of slavery, the very first rule God gave to them was to keep the Sabbath day for it was holy. To take one day out of seven days and rest. Everyone say rest. Rest. Because rest is important. And to slaves, if you didn't work, you didn't eat. There was no such thing as a day off in the slavery movement. And so this was revolutionary when God said, I want you to take a day and rest. Everyone say rest. Rest. 
You, you got, some of you are so busy. Your lives are so busy. The Bible says, woe to him who builds house to house, field to field, until there is no room. In other words, you have no margins in your life. You are so busy, you don't have time for anything. And when you do not have time and you do not have rest in your life, what ends up happening? The first thing that ends up falling apart are relationships. Because you build people out of your lives to the point where you are so busy that you don't have room for God, you don't have room for marriage, you don't have room for friends. How many recognize this? What's the first thing you say when you see a friend you haven't seen in a long time because you've been so busy? See him? Hey, how you doing? What have you been up to? Oh, I've been so busy. And you're good friends too. But you've been so busy, you haven't communicated with the friend because you're building house to house, field to field, until you're alone in the land by yourself. Because you're busy, but you have no relationship. Jesus, God told us, hey, make sure you take time, one day out of seven, not just to rest, but to give it to me. One day out of seven belongs to me. Where you do nothing, and the reason you do nothing, just like a tithe, with the same way in your time in the Jew, if you didn't work, you didn't eat. So if you take one day out of the week and don't work, you're saying, God, I trust you that you will provide for me today. That's what the Sabbath was really about. The Sabbath wasn't just about going to church. The Sabbath was about stopping and recognizing, God, you're my source, not me. You're the one that will provide for me, not me. And we've gotten it twisted that we think that Sundays is just a day off. It's not a day off. It's a day that belongs to God to recognize it belongs to him. And that he's going to take care of me. So Jesus is asleep in the boat. Big old, and I listened to the podcast from last week to get caught up. But a storm rises up and Jesus, because the disciples are freaked out, they wake him up from sleep. Jesus rebukes the storm. Everyone say rebuke. And I want you to notice what he does. That word rebuke is the same word that is used when Jesus rebukes a demon or casts a demon out of somebody. That word rebuke means this. It means to forbid or to take a position against, to express sharp or stern disapproval of, to reprove or reprimand. It's the same exact word Jesus used when he casts demons out of people. So on the, they get in the boat. On the way in the boat, a storm rises up and the storm comes out of nowhere But Jesus is able to recognize where the storm is coming from. This isn't an average storm. This is a demonic storm. This is a storm from the enemy that is coming up against him to keep him from reaching their destination. Uh, I need you to hear me this morning because some of you are facing some storms, some struggles that you think is just life and you're allowing these storms to keep you from progressing. But I'm here to tell you, until you take authority over that storm and cause it to calm down, you will never reach your destination. The storm begins to stir up and Jesus, and I want you to notice, this is so cool. Notice what Jesus does. Let's go back to the scripture, Matthew chapter 8, verse 26. Um, Actually, a little farther back. uh, I take that back. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. It says, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Everyone say followed. Suddenly a furious storm came upon the lake and the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping and the disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. When you jump down to verse 26, he gets up. He says, ye of little faith, why were you so afraid? 
When he got up, he rebuked. Everyone say rebuked. The waves and everything was calm. Now, now take a look at this real quick. You see anywhere where Jesus prays. In fact, follow the life of Christ. When he ever faces a crisis, does Jesus pray about it? Very rarely does Jesus pray about it. And when he does, he says, he says, Father, I know you always hear me, and I'm not praying for my sake, but for those around me. He only prayed just to confirm to help people around him. But normally, Jesus never prayed about storms. He spoke to storms. Some of you are praying about your storm, complaining about your storm, yelling at your storm, getting upset about your storm, crying about your storm, but you're not taking authority over your storm. And Jesus doesn't pray over the storm. He gets up, he's tired, he gets up, and he rebukes it. Stop. It stops right here. There's someone in this place that you're, what you're going through in your marriage, you need to stop up, step up, and a husband needs to say, this is where it stops. you got to rebuke that problem over your marriage. Rebuke that problem over your finances. Rebuke that, fo- that problem over your addiction. Somewhere along the way, you got to tell that storm, you stop right here. You don't go any farther than this. Stop praying over the storm and start commanding the storm. You see, you can't command a storm that you don't have any calm in. The problem is we, are, we have storms going on inside of us that every time we speak, we create a storm. You know what I'm talking about? You know those people that every word that comes out is negative or has a spark? And if there's any fuel in the air, it'll cause a fire. It's like, oh, here comes a fire starter. And I'm not talking revival either. That whenever they show up, there's negativity, there's, there, there's sparks, there's always something that's going to start off. Because people carry their environment with them. You each carry an environment. And every time we open our mouths, we release that storm. Some of you are little tempests going on. <laughs> Others of you are peace. Get around certain people, you just feel a calm when they come around. It's just like, <sighs> It's like a vacation whenever you get to hang out with them. You know what I'm talking about? Because there's certain people that have that certain, that certain environment that's in them. You can't calm. You cannot tell a storm to be calm when there's storms going on inside of you. The calm in you has to be greater than the storm around you. Not... Jesus rebukes the storm. Now, th- this is where I want to get to. I want you to recognize. Jesus recognized that the source of the storm, it wasn't a physical storm. Now, we go through physical storms. It wasn't a consequential storm. They did something and something happened. This was a demonic storm. So Jesus recognized it. He was trying to keep them from getting somewhere. And I want you to notice what Jesus does. I want you to recognize that some of the storms you're going through right now are trying to in- imitate, intimidate you from going on. 
trying to get you to turn around and go back. You know what, man? This is getting too hard. I don't know if this marriage is worth it. I don't know if this job is worth it. I don't know if these kids are worth it. I don't know if this is what I'm doing is worth it. And so you get to the point that the storm and the things that are going on are so bad, you're ready to turn back, not realizing that if you go toward the destiny that God called you to get to, that there's going to be breakthrough on the other side. I mean, to the point where in verse 27, they say this, what kind of man is this? I mean, who does that? There's some of you in here that people look at you and they're like, man, how did you make it through that time in your life? How, how did, look at Philip going, going through the things that you went through that now that you started a, brand, a, a ministry to, to a, a nonprofit organization to help people that went through the same things you did to do that kind of thing. How do you do that? Someone, you should have been defeated by the things that you went through. To see the things that you went through growing up and the things you've gone through. To see you working with kids and helping them get through it. People look at you guys and say, you should have been destroyed by the things you went through. Those storms should have defeated you. But now they look at you and there's calm. There are things, some of you, your marriages, you should have been divorced years ago. But now your, your, your marriage is strong. Now your marriage has changed. You're, you're pouring into other marriages. You're doing things where you're helping people out. You're, people are looking at you like, how did you do it? When you survive the storm, God gets glory. Oh, come on. Somebody say amen. People will begin to be amazed at the glory of God in your life. Now, I want you to, to, to notice what happens here in verse 28. Everyone say verse 28. When he arrived at the other side, someone say other side. In the region of Gadasarenes, two of the demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. Now, I don't know about you. I just got done going through a storm that almost killed me. And I get to the destination that I'm supposed to get to. And the first thing I run into is two demon-possessed homies running around naked that have the whole country on lockdown. Really? I just went through this storm, and now I get to the others. I'm where Jesus wants me to be, and now I got to deal with these monkeys. How many of you have ever gone from one storm into another crisis? You're like, God, what are you doing? And you're wondering, I'm in the will of God. I'm doing the right things. You begin to start wondering, man, is there unconfessed sin? Am I uh, some unforgiveness that's in my life? Why do I keep facing these struggles? But do you understand that Jesus told them to get in the boat to go to the other side for the very purpose of reaching that demon-possessed man? I'm taking you somewhere. I want you to notice what happens here. They were so violent. Now, the Bible says they were coming from the tombs to meet him. They were so violent that no one could pass their way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come to torture us before the appointed time? A couple things that I just want you to grab a hold of. First of all, these demons haven't seen Jesus at all in the flesh. Last time these demons saw Jesus is when they were angels in heaven around the throne worshiping. So last time they saw him. Thousands and thousands of years earlier around the throne of heaven. That's where they saw it because they were angels and they were worshiping him. When Lucifer turned away, they were cast out of heaven. And now all of a sudden, the spirit of God is placed in Jesus and Jesus is walking the earth. 
These demons that were cast down to earth that have been operating on earth for thousands of years all of a sudden feel a presence they haven't felt before. A presence that's familiar. And they recognize it and they turn around and they begin to confess the Son of God. Because when they get in the presence of God, they revert back to what they were created for. Uh, that's why when some of you, you know, it's, it's weird. You get in certain environments and all of a sudden what you were created for comes out. Then you can go back and out. You go outside the church and start living like hell. Then you get back in, into the presence of God. And it's like, wow, God uses me. So God must still be with me. Many are going to say on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we lay hands on the sick in your name? He's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for the place prepared for the devil and his angels, for I never knew you. Don't judge your works as evidence of a relationship. Got quiet here, Pastor Aaron. So they get there and... They, they, they see the Son of God. Jesus doesn't want to hear that. He doesn't want praise from someone that's not serving him. Whenever Jesus ran into a demon, he told him to shut up. He told him to be quiet. They would go, you are the Son of God. What are you doing here, Son of God? He's like, just be quiet. I don't need you to testify as to who I am. I want you to notice what happens from here. I don't have time to really deep, deep, dig deep into this uh, on some other stuff, but I want you to notice something about these demon-possessed men. First of all, this story is shared in three of the four Gospels. Some of the Gospels only talk about one demon-possessed possessed man. And the reason why is because there, there was two. One of them might have been stronger than the other one. And so that one took precedence. There might have even been some others around, but these two are the ones that stuck out. So they lived in a place that they weren't created to live. Listen, when you allow things that are not of God to get inside of you, you will end up living in places God never intended you to live. There are times that we're living in depression, living in addiction, living in places of, of lack because of the fact that we've allowed things that don't belong in our lives to come into our lives. Third thing I want you to notice is that these individuals, no one can control them. Whenever you see people that cannot be controlled, there's an evidence of a spirit there. People that won't take direction, they won't take any kind of direction in life. Don't tell me what to do. There's there's a struggle because Satan's whole kingdom is built on rebellion, not taking direction. They were naked and no one, they, they had no sense of decency. They're running around in the tombs naked, cutting themselves. The Bible says that they, they, they were so strong. They were breaking bonds. Whenever they would get caught, they were able to chain them up, but they would break their bonds. Now, they were so strong, they were without purpose. They were self-destructive. They were cutting themselves with stones. It sounds like our generation today, where we find people that are self-destructing. We're putting things in our bodies that are destroying us. We're, we're destroying our relationships with our our kids we're, we're molesting our children and things are going on right now in America where we are destroying the fabric of the very moral decency of who we are as a nation that was built under God it's just an image of total bondage if you could find a picture of total bondage this was it now the demons immediately recognized Jesus, his earthly body couldn't hide the glory in him. Someone will get that in a moment. 
His earthly body could not hide the glory in him. I'm here to tell you that when you get so filled with God, Satan's not going to know if it's Jesus walking the earth or you. Look what happened. I'm going to read out of Mark's account of this. It says, Jesus demanded, what's your name? No other, no other point does Jesus talk to the demons. Only in this one. Jesus asked him, what's your name? And he responds, my name is Legion. Because there's many of us inside this man. Now, I, I believe these demons are trying to intimidate Jesus. Saying, hey, man, there's a gang of us in here. <laughs> um, you don't, you don't want to open this can of worms. There's a lot of, there's a lot of junk... You know, whenever you're dealing with someone that got, that got problems, you're, you're like, man, do, do I really want to get involved in what they're going? Because as soon as we start praying for them, all kinds of crap's going to start coming out. We're going to be dealing with stuff all over. And the enemy will try to intimidate you with the mess that's inside people to keep you from bringing deliverance to people. The enemy wants you to be afraid. Those of you that are operating as Jesus, afraid of seeing the mess that's going on in people's lives and to intimidate you from dealing. They tell, we're legion. Jesus is like, I don't care. I'm Jesus. You remember me? And they begin, they're like, they're, they're, they're freaking out. Did you come to torment us? Now, when we think of demons, we think about demons tormenting people. Look at the demons mentality of God. They are so afraid of the power, the majesty, the might, and the glory of God that when God shows up, it torments a demon. And you're afraid of a demon when God torments demons. God eats demons for lunch as appetizers. All you can eat for ten. And yet we're freaked out about demons and and this and that. And we're all freaked out about the supernatural and the spirit realm and all this stuff. It's time that you recognize that Jesus has all authority. Luke chapter 10 verse uh, 11 verse 20 says this. When they, they accuse Jesus from casting out demons saying you're doing it with demons. Jesus says listen. If, if I do it with demons, then the house of Satan is divided against each other and it's going to fall. But, he says in verse 20, if I'm casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived. Someone say arrived. Arrived, arrived among you. So what am I telling you to this morning as we, as we close? Vivi, if you could help me. I want you to notice this. The kingdom is all about freedom. The kingdom is all about freedom. Freedom. When the kingdom shows up or when the king shows up, there's freedom. So how do I know that the kingdom has showed up at CWC? How do I know that the kingdom has shown up in a service? How do I know that the kingdom has shown up in our our homes, in our families, in our jobs, in our communities? It's not when attendance grows. It's not when offering goes up. It's when chains start falling off of people that are possessed when addictions are broken, when sicknesses are healed, when people that are in bondage are set free. That is when the kingdom shows up. The kingdom is about freedom. If you're still in bondage and you're coming to church, there's something wrong. It's not the king's will. Do you hear me? 
it's not his will for your life. Whether it's in your finances, whether it's in your mind, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your body, whether it's a spirit, whether it's an addiction, the enemy has no right. When Jesus gets there, he casts the demon out of this man. And this man is is totally cleansed and in his right mind. And one of the two demon-possessed men, I don't have time to go into the the, the pigs and all that stuff, but one of the men is sitting in his right mind, and the the people of the city are freaked out that this guy, they they weren't freaked out that he was running around naked, cutting himself, living in tombs, and holding the nation in lockdown. But when they come back and see him dressed, hair-combed, speaking in his right mind, that scared them. You know what I'm saying? Some of you, your family feels more comfortable with you drunk, addicted, lost, angry, bitter. They don't know what they're going to do when you step up and you're in your right mind. And when you're delivered, when you're free, when your marriage is happy, when you're walking around blessed, they don't know how to handle it. I can handle you better when you're destroyed, when you're messed up, when you're lost, when you're confused. But I don't know how to handle you when you're of your right mind. People can't handle that. Can handle you messed up. Because then I'm comfortable with my own. Got no excuse for where I'm at right now. Look at Mark 5, 18. And Jesus was getting into the boat. And the man who had been demon-possessed begged him. Now, come on, man. He's begging. He just had a God encounter. Jesus, please, come on. Let me go with you, please. Come on. Can, Can I go with you? Can I follow you? Now, this is the same Jesus that's walking, saying, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. Follow me. And everyone's following him. When we get to Mark 8, all of a sudden, the, 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 the things change. And this man wants to follow. And Jesus gives us a little picture of what following is all about. Following doesn't always mean leaving where you're at. It means shining bright where you're at. I don't know about you. I'm thinking, I'm thinking as a, as a modern-day preacher. Come on, somebody. What a great trophy. I'm taking him on the road. Jesus, can I follow you? Yeah, man, come on in. We're going to write a book about what just happened with you. We're going to do a little infomercial. Okay? Then we're going we're gonna to get little, little pieces of cloth or chain that you are chained up in. We're going to sell those. People send in $50 or $100. We're going to send little pieces of the chain of how they were. And if you send in $50 too, this little piece of chain will set you free as well. Or when we go out and do our citywide crusades, this man's going to come out first. He's going to be the opening act. Man, this is what I used to do, man. I used to be all tore up, and then Jesus came in, and, you know, I used to do, I used to break chains. I used to do this, and he would be a great opening act for Jesus, but that's not what Jesus is concerned about. He's not concerned about people following him just so his numbers go up. That's not what he was concerned. Look at verse 19 of chapter 5 of Mark. Mark 5, 19. Jesus said, no. Oh, come on, man. Focus with me as we close. Jesus told him, no, go home. What? I want you to go home. Because you haven't been in your right mind at home. So I want you now to go back home in your right mind. 
And when you go home, I want you to, and to your family and tell them everything the Lord's done for you and how merciful he has been. So now I want you to testify. Share your story. Now, your story might not be done yet. You might still have a little issue here and there. You might have some struggles. Heck, you were demon-possessed, running naked, cutting your body, living in a, in a tomb. Now, you might have some issues still. That's right. But I want you to tell people up from where you were to where you are right now what I did for you. Don't worry that you're not perfect. Don't worry that you're not done. I just want you to talk about where I brought you to right now in this moment, how far I brought you. You might not be done but you are changed oh come on somebody give God praise this morning sometimes following Jesus means to stay put I got saved got to leave my husband now shut up that's the stupidest thing I ever heard well, I got saved now. Now, you know, I just need to get away from my family. How do you think your family is going to get saved? It's time for your, your testimony to shine bright. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. It's time to stand, shine bright. Now, as I close this morning, <laughs> third one. Worship team, if you come back up, I want the prayer team to come take their places as well. I want you to follow me on this as we, we're going to have a time of praying, deliverance, just a, a breaking things that maybe you've been, you've been fighting. You want freedom. You don't want to go through religion. You want freedom. Now, I want you to capture this as we close. This man, according to tradition, many believe that he went out and began to share that story in Decapolis, which means 10 cities in the area. Now, these are the very people that told Jesus to leave. Get out of here. But when Jesus left, this man begins to share the gospel of what Jesus did with him, for him, in these ten cities. And as he shares that story, they, it prepares the way. Some biblical scholars believe that that was the very area where Jesus comes back and talks to the Samaritan woman. That's where she lived. And when the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, goes back and tells people, come see the man that has done X, Y, Z for me, told me all about me. I found the Messiah. Now they're ready. Why? Because they saw one man whose life was transformed, radically transformed, that now they, are, they hear about Jesus. They want Jesus. And so now when Jesus shows up through this woman at the well, they all come out to see because God used a woman at the well along with some radical demon-possessed dude to bring them together to cause revival in a city that hadn't experienced a revival like that before. Why do you need to be free? Because your freedom is key to revival for this area. How do we start revival? One life at a time. Let me clarify. How do we change the world? One life at a time. And let that first life, let it be yours. Thank you for downloading this message. 
For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.